eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I am your host, Jordan Hill. We got a very special episode, our usual Thursday, previewing Georgia's next game. With us this week, we've got from the Cats, Paws 247, our Kentucky site. Aaron Gershon has decided to take a little time on this Thursday. Hopefully, it's a little bit warmer there in Lexington than it it's is. It's not. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was afraid that was the case, but Aaron, yeah. how is this Thursday treat you? Yeah, it's cold. I just went out and walked the dog. It's cold, man. Yeah, but uh, everything's going pretty well, uh, unless you're with the UK Athletics and not a part of the men's soccer team, who's uh, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. But basketball, obviously, that huge loss Tuesday, and uh, it's been an up and down year that we'll talk about for the football team and hasn't gone quite as expected. And I want to ask, too, was there a little bit of snow up there in Lexington this week? Just a little flurry. There's a little bit of flurry on the ground, but nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. I got it was you. snowing pretty hard on the way back from Indy yesterday, but that's up in Indiana. So I got you. That makes sense. Well, yeah. we'll get right into this thing. Talk about this game, Georgia playing at Kentucky at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. And I'll kind of start with sort of a, a big picture question about Kentucky. Um, I think a lot of people coming into this season saw Kentucky as probably the most legitimate threat to Georgia in the SEC East. You know, as the mm-hmm. season has played out, it's really been more Tennessee but I think it would be fair to say this season with Kentucky six and four, especially coming off a loss to Vanderbilt, might maybe a little bit of a disappointment. Um, Absolutely. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this season, and and what, frankly, what's gone wrong for Kentucky to be where it is right now? Yeah, you're you're definitely right. It is in disappointment. I mean, they won ten games last year. Obviously, they've won ten. You know, two of the last four. So you know, you're at that point where. 
you know, even Mark Stoops, when they clinched their seventh straight bowl, which at Kentucky is a huge accomplishment, never been done before. You know, he said they're past that and he's right. Um, you know, going into this year, like you said, they were seen as the biggest threat to Georgia, uh, picked by the SEC media, including myself down there in Atlanta uh, to finish second in the East. And I think they had the third highest odds behind Georgia and Alabama to win the whole conference. So obviously a lot has gone wrong. I think first and foremost, it starts up front with the offensive line. And I think um, we meeting the media here and just in general overlooked kind of the deficiencies on the offensive line. I mean, last year you had um, – you know, the big blue wall is what they've been calling the offensive line for years because they've been churning NFL prospects left and right. And last year, you know, your center, Luke Fortner, gets drafted in the third round and he's the starter for the Jaguars now and having an amazing year there. Uh, Darian Kennard, an All-American uh, right tackle, uh, he's in the NFL. Left Dare Rosenthal, the transfer from LSU, who had a great year last year, uh, decided to go to the NFL and didn't get drafted or anything, but still, you know, left them with a hole there. And then, so you're starting um, two freshmen, uh, Jagger Burton. Uh, is it two freshmen? Yeah, Jagger Burton's a freshman. He's that left guard. He's really, really struggled. Um, and then you've kind of had to move guys out of position because they were starting two freshmen and those guys weren't getting the job done. So Kenneth Horsey, who was a third-team All-SEC um, preseason right guard, they move him to the uh, left, uh, left guard. They move him out to left tackle, and it's not gone well there. Eli Cox was a midseason All-American at guard last year. He's at center. It's not going well there. Uh, really, the only guy that's held his weight is uh, Tayshawn Manning at right guard, the transfer from Auburn, but uh, even a lot of procedural penalties on him. And then it's, you know, the right tackle, Jeremy Flax, has probably been, when he's healthy, the most consistent guy, but he's been in and out of the lineup. So uh, it's just been a, it's been a mess on the offensive line, and unfortunately that's resulted in Will Levis taking – his body's just taking a toll, man. I mean, he's got the turf toe, uh, a foot injury on top of that, too, a left shoulder injury. He's playing through a lot. Um, it's impressive that he's even out there. Uh, he missed, obviously, the South Carolina game, and that game didn't go well with him out. But uh, I think he's felt the need to be out there because of that. And he's just not not the same guy we saw last year. And and the guy we saw last year is why, you know, he had all the draft type and it was, you know, as long as he fixes the turnovers, he's going to be that first round pick and hasn't even been a turnover issue. It's just, he's not moving well. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's unfortunate because he's a really good kid and, you know, he gets a lot of criticism uh, being an NFL prospect that people don't necessarily believe in. And a lot of it wasn't unjustified. A lot of it was unjustified, but when he plays like this and he's playing hurt, it's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's only so much one guy can do, and when you're getting hit, I mean, it'll definitely affect your play. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Will Levis. I think mm -hmm. from the Georgia perspective, that's somebody that I think fans obviously know. There's been a lot of hype about Will. What, uh, you know, outside of having a playthrough injury, what has stood out to you as some of his strengths this season and, and maybe things he can do better if Kentucky's going to contend on Saturday? Yeah, no doubt. He has a great arm. I mean, the, the arm strength is there. He obviously, uh, when, you know, when he, there's a chance to dial up a deep ball and the offensive coordinator lets him throw it, <laughs> we'll get into that, I'm sure, uh, it, it goes well. I mean, he's got a great arm. Um, last year, it was the mobility that really set him over the top because he had the arm strength and he also could run. I mean, he ran for 375 yards and nine touchdowns and you know, four touchdown game on the ground against Louisville and three against LSU. So, um, 
you know, that hasn't been there this year. And the biggest issue for him, uh, injury aside, that's not an excuse, is he holds on to the ball too long. And that's resulted in – because there are some sacks where, yeah, the offensive line is making mistakes, but there's time to throw it away. And he just hasn't done that. And he's taken unnecessary sacks, and that moves you way behind the chains uh, and leads to punts. So that's been one of the biggest things for him, holding on to that ball too long. And also, you know, the interception numbers are down from a year ago, but the, it's hard. The ones he's thrown, obviously last week against Vanderbilt was a Hail Mary at the end of the game, so you throw that one away. Um, but there are a couple where it's just forcing things a little bit. So, yeah, the decision-making, whether it is interceptions or whether it is um, holding on to the ball too long, that's probably the biggest pet peeve people have with him here and the biggest reason uh, he's definitely – taking some draft <laughs> some criticism from the draft guys but you know you look at every projection he's still a first round pick and that's because i think the scouts are doing a good job of realizing what he's working with and that's a really bad offensive line when he had a really good one last year he had a pretty damn good year and um he's also i mean the receivers are talented but you got three freshmen out there and you've got two freshman tight ends uh you only have one senior tight end who's a trans or senior wide receiver excuse me uh who's a transfer who wasn't here last year so there's just no continuity between him and the offensive line or even really the receivers which is uh, it goes on the offensive coaching staff when you're 10 games into the season tell me a little bit about what you've seen you know losing liam cohen he he goes back to the nfl they go and get an nfl guy to replace him uh, just from the outside looking in, it seems like there has been some issues as far as that goes. So what 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 sort of stands out on that front? Yeah, the play calling is predictable. I think that's the biggest thing that people have issues with. You kind of he he loves this wide receiver screen and they'll do it six times a game and it frustrates the hell out of everyone because it hardly works. And then it actually worked against Missouri for a touchdown and it got called back for holding. So it's like, uh, man, he can't catch a break with that play. So that's one thing. It's very predictable, and you know, it just feels like he's stubborn i mean mississippi state um kentucky had their best offensive second half they scored 24 points in that half they won the game 27 to 17 and the game plan was pretty simple that game feed c rod chris rodriguez the great running back because mississippi state did not have a good run defense then the next week you go to tennessee or after the bye and it's okay well you're going to pass the ball right because tennessee has this at that point had the second worst secondary in the country and their run defense was number nine going into that game it was the same game plan. They're running the ball. They're not letting Will do things. And when the thing is, when they had their one touchdown drive, it was off Will Levis's arm. So it's like, what are you doing? And it just feels like the game plan is the same every week, and that's not sitting well with the fans. And <laughs> we learned this week it's not sitting well with the players because you had Zakel Crowdis, one of those freshman receivers, uh, say that they were asking him a big issue with this offense is they get to the red zone and then they can't score and their kicker stinks, and they can't protect on field goals, so they end up with no points. So they asked, you know, Crowdis at Media Tuesday, I wasn't there because of basketball, but they asked him why you think the red zone is an issue, and he said the play caller. Not good. And then you saw Tavion Robinson, uh, Tavion Robinson, that one senior receiver, transfer from Virginia Tech, who started the year hot, and it's they haven't fed him the ball since. Um, was liking tweets about Scangrillo and his problems. So there's a lot of issues there. I think we're probably a week away from his firing after the Louisville game, uh, which is upsetting because it felt like the it felt like a pretty seamless trans. It would be a seamless transition, but you know those pro style offenses they, they in the West Coast you thought it was going to be the same. They're just not the same system. They don't have the same balance they had with Liam Cohen, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what Mark Stoops is not is going to do because you could tell he's fed up too. It's uh, it's upsetting because the defense is good and they're they're wasting it. 
you mentioned the red zone. That's going to be something interesting to watch Saturday because Georgia has probably the best red zone yeah. defense. I think they're third nationally and giving up points at all, but they're first and not how few touchdowns they give up in the red zone. Yep. So that'll be something certainly to watch. You mentioned Chris Rodriguez earlier, uh, had a really big game in that Vanderbilt game and, you know, missed those games early in the year. But statistically, yep. as far as yards per game, is one of the best in the country. Uh, and I, I talked to Kirby Smart and some of the defensive players about, you know, what stands out about Chris and, and what he brings to the table. But, you know, getting to watch him week to week, just yeah. what is it that makes him a special running back? He is a special running back. He's a bowling ball. I mean, he does not – he's – if you remember Benny Snell, it's very, very similar where they're not the fastest guy, but they don't go down. I mean, he does not go down on first contact unless there are three bodies in the backfield, which has happened with this offensive line. Uh, but he usually is able to bounce off tackles and make those, you know, should be two, three yard games into seven, eight yard games. And he's done that his whole career here. And he's a, he's a great talent. Um, he's, you know, and when he does get the hole and he, I mean, last week he was able to break off that 72 yard touchdown. So he has this, the speed if he gets the second level. Um, but, you know, he's often fighting through so many tackles, he can only get so much. But yeah, I mean, he's already at 703 yards and he missed the first four games. Uh, he's got 401 yards to go to pass Benny for the all time rushing lead. Uh, record at, in school history which would be really impressive to do that um given he missed four games uh, to start the year and he needed over a thousand to do it uh going into the year so um yeah he's definitely i would say you know going into the year is probably will levis i would say just how things are unfolding he's the best player on the roster um and you know just got the invite to the senior bowl so he's probably going to be a draft pick too and uh he's fun to watch and he's a very he cares a lot i mean he's called out some of the guys that haven't played so well this year he's a leader on this team they really really missed him those first four games it was honestly so impressive how they beat florida without him um so uh yeah he's definitely the guy that they're going to try to feed all day and it's probably you know with george's run defense we saw how they contained c-rod last year it's probably not going to go as well as it usually does for him but uh you know regardless of how he performs saturday he's a special player is going to be missed around here chris was a first team preseason all sec pick in the summer and you can see why with how he's played and i thought it was funny you mentioned benny snell when i asked kirby about chris he said reminds me a lot yeah, of i saw that quote yeah <laughs> yeah they really are similar and obviously uh, 2018, they were Chris was a redshirt, so he was uh, in the backfield and got to learn from him a little bit. So, yeah, they're very, very similar. They, they called him Little Benny his first year here in 2019 when he was playing. And, uh, yeah, again, it stinks that he missed those first four games, uh, you know, with the off-field stuff. But, uh, you know, the fact he's going to perhaps be the all-time leading rusher in school history when missing these four games and he missed two, year, two games in uh, 2020 with COVID when he finished uh, second year. Uh, second team all sec behind uh isaiah spiller it's pretty impressive that he could do that with missing six games absolutely uh we're going to take a quick break we'll come back we'll talk a little bit about kentucky's defense and then get into the matchup talk about what we are sort of expecting to see in this game and, and maybe give a couple predictions but uh, first we'll take a quick break okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Aaron, let's talk about the Kentucky defense. And what I could tell looking statistically, it seems like they have done a really good job against the pass. Yeah. What What are the strengths of this defense and maybe weaknesses that Georgia may try to take advantage of Saturday? So they have two really solid outside corners. Uh, Keedron Smith, the transfer from Ole Miss, has been an, an outstanding um, addition. Uh, Florida gave me that pick six, 63 yards, I believe it was, that just completely shattered Florida's confidence and pretty much put the wrap on that game in the third quarter. Uh, and then Carrington Valentine, who was a guy who really struggled last year as a freshman, or as a sophomore, excuse me, and he's really, really taken a step up this year. He's gotten a lot better at the top of the route. So that's the one thing I think Georgia, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the receiver position, wide receiver, not tight end. I know how special those guys are. Very important kind of, distinction. <laughs> yeah, very important. But the wide receivers, the outside guys are the one like kind of weakness outside of McConkey on the whole roster. So maybe that's one area uh, where Kentucky can kind of hold the receivers in check, but then the tight ends, <laughs> that's a whole different story, obviously. But uh, so those two guys have been really solid in the safeties. Uh, one of them, Tyrell Asian, who's a senior, has done a really good job. Jordan Lovett is a freshman, so he's kind of taken some bait on things. But, you know, he's also done pretty well for a freshman. Uh, then up front. Justin Rogers, the nose tackle, I think is one of the more underrated players in the entire conference. You know, the numbers for nose tackles never, never are there, but he had nine tackles last week. And that's hard to do as a nose tackle. He's a former five-star guy and he's playing like it. Um, and then behind them, the the inside linebackers are, you know, DeAndre Square and Jaquez Jones came in as the years of the starters, fifth-year seniors, and Jones was playing his best football of his career. And then he went down with a high ankle sprain at Ole Miss. He hasn't been back since. And which sucks for him, he was an old Miss transfer. So that was his return to Oxford, and that happens. Uh, and then DeAndre Square, who's been kind of the heart and soul of this team as a leader the last couple of years, uh, got hurt at uh, he got hurt. He missed the Missouri game, got hurt at Tennessee. So he missed last week, and he's kind of a game time decision. But luckily, the two guys behind him, uh, Trevin Wallace especially, are really good players. So they're really good. They're really four deep at inside linebacker. But um Outside of that, the the biggest issues um, for the defense has been just getting home to the quarterback. J.J. Weaver was the leading pass rusher a year ago, has been playing through a really bad shoulder injury that cost him a couple of games. And it was funny. They were talking. He's talked about yesterday during his media availability. He's been pass rushing with one arm and really didn't start feeling himself till last week. So maybe he'll have a little bit of a better game, but against Georgia's offensive line, that's tough to tough to ask too much uh, of him. And then Jordan Wright, another veteran uh, pass rusher, has had set a good year, um, not getting to the quarterback, but you know stopping the run, forcing a couple balls out, uh, recovered a couple fumbles. So it's been good in that aspect. But really, I think the biggest issues uh, for the defense has really been they get worn out because <laughs> they're on the field so freaking much, uh, and they they get worn out. That's what happened. I think last week you finally saw. You know, they did such a good job with Anthony Richardson. Four rushing yards is all he had against them. But Mike Wright was able to just beat him with his legs. And Ray Davis, Vanderbilt's running back, was able to run all day on them. And that just hasn't been a thing all year. But I think they're just tired. <laughs> I mean, they, they're on the field uh, 
so much and they're given short fields. I mean, that Tennessee game, the score, it wasn't really fair for the defense because it was 44 points, but uh, Tennessee started, I believe, uh, six of their drives, seven of their drives um, on Kentucky side of the field and their average field position was their own 42 yard line. So it's really hard against that offense to do much when that's a field position. So I think really their worst game of the year is really the Vanderbilt game. I, I throw the Tennessee game out because of that. Um, but yeah, get, you know, Bennett will have time to throw um, in the tight ends. You know, I don't really know how Kentucky's planning to even try to stop those guys. So that's, I think that's going to be a big day for Brock Bowers and Daryl Washington, uh, obviously. But uh, yeah, I think the one area that they can maybe sh- maybe calm down is uh you know the uh, the the actual wide receivers outside and maybe uh do a better job against the run this week because they have been a really good run defense until last week i think you kind of summed it up but but what was the issue in that vanderbilt game was it i mean a lot of just the defense being worn down and, and what was sort of the takeaway from how that game played out yeah um i mean i think they mike wright hit a big run really early uh it was a little fake and he just completely psyched them out uh on that 59 yard run and then you know they just had trouble stopping the run and you know you tip your cap a little bit because uh they were, were really able to out scheme them which has not been an issue brad white's a really good defensive coordinator lsu really wanted him and they offered him the job and he, he didn't take it um but you know he's a really good defensive coordinator and i think they just got out schemed. I think the dual threat quarterback uh, in right who has played well against Kentucky every time. So it just kind of, he's like one of those Kentucky killers. You kind of tip your cap to, um, but yeah, they struggle against the run. And then, you know, the unfortunate thing on that last drive is um, you had a game winning pick, but then an illegal hands to the face, which was the right call. And then later in the drive, another fourth and long and Carrington Valentine, the corner I just talked about came off the field to play before uh, just got the wind knocked out of him. And I thought Mark Stoops should have called timeout because then you get him back on the field. Uh, Stoops doesn't do that. You put a freshman corner who hadn't played all game, literally his one snap is that play, he gets beat on a 50-yard bomb on a jump ball. I mean, it was just like unfortunate. A lot of unfortunate things. But again, they were on the field so much because the offense couldn't do anything and they were in bad situations. So, you know, they're eventually going to have a bad game. The dam's going to break once. And that's kind of what happened. But again, outside of that, and then, you know, the Tennessee game wasn't great, but the field position was what it was. Uh, the defense is really, it tells its own. That's for sure. I mean, that 21 or uh, 17 points against Missouri, 16 against Florida. And one of those was with the short field after a turnover. Um, they've done the jobs. Mississippi State, they held in check. Lowest passing total of the year for Rodgers, unless Georgia, I don't know what it was last week for him, but. It was up until last week if Georgia passed that. So, And even the South Carolina game, the defense was good. The offense was just so bad. I always like doing this with guests of uh, that cover opposing teams. What is your biggest question when it comes to Georgia and when it comes to you know what you might see on Saturday? Are they going to lose? Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, maybe not. I, mean, I don't think point. so. Uh, I, I guess uh, – I mean, there's nothing I really have for this game because I, I just I, I, I think, like I said, the only area where I think Kentucky might have an advantage is the there are two cover corners against the two boundary receivers for Georgia. And other than that, I don't see anything else, uh, especially definitely not even in the kicking game because Kentucky stinks there except for the kick returner. But um, I guess it's did you guys figure that Tennessee would be the offense that would be the only one that had a chance uh, to exploit that? And is there anyone else like you look at it? possible playoff opponent that even could 
could have a chance to move the ball if Tennessee could. Yeah, you know, I I, I predicted Georgia was going to win that Tennessee game, but I think I said like 35-31 or something like that, like a shootout, because I, I really yeah. didn't think Tennessee was going to be able to move the ball. And credit to Georgia's defense, because Tennessee got some really advantageous situations, especially early. Georgia's first drive, they fumble, and it, it was kind of right. like that Kentucky game you mentioned against Tennessee. Tennessee gets the ball. It might not have been midfield, but it might have been like their own 45. And credit to uh, Georgia's defense for holding tight and, and not letting them. I think they forced a, a pretty long field goal in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, to me, we were talking about this, some of the beat riders last night. I mean, to me, Ohio State is probably Georgia's toughest matchup if that winds up being uh, how things play out in the playoff just because of Ohio State's receivers. I think yeah. with their passing game, um, I think that it would be – Probably what maybe more of what I thought that Tennessee game would be as far as, you know, back and forth shootouts and really needing to, to score points. But I do think that this Georgia defense, would you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't count them out in a matchup no. like that. You know, uh, I've, I've kind of been hard on Keely Ringo, who's the guy that had the pick six in the national title yeah. game. And he's had some missed opportunities, but hey, credit to him. He made one of the best interceptions of the season on that pick uh, when the ball was thrown from Hennon Hooker to Cedric Tillman. Yeah. I mean, the, you look at the play and it almost looks like he's the receiver and Tillman's <laughs> trying to break up the pass to him. But um, they would be tested in a situation like that. But I think if you're looking across the board and saying what team that's left, uh, and even, you know, if they play, t- if they could play Tennessee again, you know, that's not all, uh, out of the conversation. I still no. think Ohio State would be the toughest matchup. And uh, something I wanted to say too, and we don't know this for a fact yet. But, you know, you talked about Georgia's receivers. Something to watch on Saturday, A.D. Mitchell may be back. We, we don't know if he's going to be back. He's been hurt since the second uh, game. He got hurt on the very first offensive play of the second game of the season. And since then, he's only played four oh. snaps. He's been dealing with an ankle injury. But he would be their number one receiver. And they've had to play with right. that. And credit, you know, Lab McConkey, Dylan Bell, uh, Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint. They've had guys step up. But it's kind of funny to think about. I think this offense right now is averaging right under 41 points a game without what would be their number one wide receiver. And if yeah. he gets in the mix, even yeah, if he it's wants crazy. To, yeah, <laughs> even if he gets in the mix, you know, before this playoff run, I mean, that's that's another huge weapon that Georgia would be working with. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really impressive to watch Georgia's offense this year. I mean, I was never – I always, like, if you win a national championship at quarterback, I, I'm going to respect you. So I never understood the Seston Bennett, all these people, you know, the JT Daniels talk last year, never understood it. You're winning games, why change? Don't fix what ain't broke. I'm, I'm a believer in that. So I have a ton of respect for Seston Bennett. And, I I mean, the tight end – Brock Bowers is pro- – I keep saying I think he's the best player in college football. I, I mean, I really believe that, and I think – it's a shame for him because he'd be making so much money uh, starting in March, but Georgia fans are blessed that they get another year with him uh, next year. I'm sure Kentucky's coaching staff is not looking forward to two more games against them. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, and, and what Kirby Smart has done is the, they're four deep at every position or if not more. Uh, and, you know, they're becoming Alabama. <laughs> they really are. So uh, it's a fun team to watch. I, I, I really enjoy watching that Tennessee game. I unfortunately was driving back from uh, Columbia to St. Louis where I was staying so I only got to listen to it. But um, from what I could tell, they just 
outclassed them and they proved why they're they're what they are so uh it's gonna be fun to watch <clears throat> excuse me gonna be fun to watch them uh, against lsu in the championship game and going forward in the playoffs it's gonna be very very interesting no doubt well let's talk about saturday's game aaron what are the matchups you, you kind of have your eye on and how do you see this thing uh, playing out? If you want to give a prediction, by all means. If not, uh, sometimes people are a little bit funny about putting that score out there. Uh, I don't mind, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just interested to see if Kentucky's offense, if you know, Rich Skin Girl is on the hot seat, and I'm interested to see if he's just gonna let it loose. You know, let Will throw some throw it deep a few times, take shots, because you know you have nothing to lose in this game. No one's picking you to win. The fan base is only uh, – when you walk, talk about the fan base right now, they're worried about Louisville next week. They're throwing this game out the window. Uh, unfortunately for, you know, the players, I think it's going to be a lot of red in the stadium, and, you know, the fans are fans are pissed off. I mean, they that there was a – for a, it was freezing for that Vanderbilt game and Nooner, and for that game, it was a decent crowd for that game. And they went and they got embarrassed and the fans felt embarrassed. So, you know, they're not expecting much from you this week. They're all focused on next week. Show them something on offense. At least just have a have a fun game plan, even if it doesn't work. Just show your show you're trying to do something different. Show you're trying to throw the ball a little more. Um, so I'm interested to see if that's gonna happen. I'm interested to see again how kentucky decides to play those tight ends if they use you know defensive backs like andrew phillips the nickel corner or if they're going to use uh some of those uh, linebackers i talked about like trevin wallace uh, i'm really interested to see how they do with that i think last year forget what Bowers number i know bowers had a good game against kentucky i know he had a touchdown but it felt like that kind of all happened in the second half they were able to do a pretty good job on him in the first half in the second half uh he kind of took over so i'm um, interested to see what the game plan is there and really just how the defense bounces back from their worst game of the year last year and see if they could just keep <laughs> the, you want to keep kentucky around and see if the offense can give you something but uh i think the defense will do a decent job i, I really do i think they could keep it in the high 30s but i i just don't think the offense is gonna be able to do much of anything and uh, i've got like georgia 35 kentucky 10 <laughs> i really don't see them scoring much more than that um it, it's just it's hard to believe in this offense right now and if they can only score 21 against a vanderbilt defense that is horrific uh they're not going to score more more than 10 uh against georgia Aaron, I think you were looking at my notebook. I've got 34-10. That's funny. Georgia, I think Georgia's feeling pretty good on offense. If we're able to see AD on Saturday, yeah. even in a limited capacity, I think that would help even more with the wide receivers. I think we'll see Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington both uh, get the ball. And I think the thing I'm most interested in is just how Georgia runs the ball because yeah. I, was, I thought they were a little disappointing in the first half against Mississippi State. They were only averaging maybe 2.7 yards per carry. It was kind of a quiet first half. Did much better in the second half, particularly once Georgia kind of built a lead and you could kind of feel them sort of just sitting on Mississippi State and kind of running yeah. up the clock. But uh, I'm going 34-10 and – throw out there for the listeners too rusty is picking georgia 34 to 7 so we're, we're i can all see right, that too <laughs> right, right yeah. in sort of that mid 30s well, range one thing to keep in mind is will kentucky make the extra point because it gets blocked all the time it is so embarrassing and mark stoops calls it embarrassing i mean he's so over it and it's time for him to just hire a special teams coordinator because if you remember 2019 when they had a special teams coordinator they had the ray guy award winner a punter and they had they were a very efficient kicking unit. Uh, 
So maybe it'll be a 39, maybe it'll be 35, nine, who knows? <laughs> Before we get out of here, whenever we do these podcasts, I always do a men's basketball minute just because Georgia basketball, you know, Georgia football is kind of the focus right now, but how are things, how are things going? Obviously Kentucky loses that game earlier this week, but how, what sort of the outlook you think for this Kentucky men's basketball team? Yeah, this is a really good team. I mean, last last night was unfortunate, or Tuesday night rather was unfortunate. But you know, you have the National Player of the Year back in Oscar Shibway, consensus National Player of the Year back. Uh, he's a monster. Uh, you have two really good shooters, uh, and CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves, who were just off the other night. And you really have two capable point guards, Severe Wheeler, who you guys know there. Uh, he's a little erratic around the rim. They got to get him not being the guy to take the shot at the end of the game, but he's a great facilitator facilitator and defender and then uh case and wallace the freshman so uh they've got a ton of talent i mean it's it's a matter of you know when it all starts to gel obviously oscar was hurt and just came back on tuesday um damien collins uh god bless his soul his dad just passed away so tuesday was his first game back and you know he struggled understandably so uh and you know they're they're loaded <laughs> they're always going to be loaded at kentucky the expectations are final four bust um they got a really tough game at gonzaga sunday but uh you know they should be able to do some special things and uh if they don't uh the fan base will uh greet them like they did with the saint peter's game <laughs> that, that makes sense uh well aaron anything you want to plug uh, any storage work on anything like that over at the cat's paws that uh, people can go check out yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, agershawn99. The spelling on my last name is right there on the screen there. Um, catspaws.com, like you mentioned, we also have for local, if there are any Kentucky listeners, uh, um, our magazine that's every other week during football and basketball season. Uh, basketball yearbook's out. Football yearbook from last year, obviously, still there uh, for purchase. And then, you know, we'll get working on that football yearbook for next year, uh, starting uh, during the spring football season. So uh, always a lot going on around here uh, until we get to the end of March. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again to Aaron Gershon from the Cats Paws 247 for popping on. Appreciate everybody who watched this live and is listening to this after the fact. We appreciate your guys' support. Excited to see you up there on uh, Saturday, Aaron, and uh, yes, Lexington sir. and uh, see what's going to happen uh, on Kroger Field. Sounds good to me. I'll see you there. ever set foot outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner why are they keeping you here starring emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful you are still a prisoner here everything in this new world comes at cost this is still my country a gentleman in moscow now streaming on paramount plus only with the paramount plus with showtime plan